If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game podcast from HandsomeFatum.com. I'm Ben, and with me here today is Dave. Dave, hello. How are you now? It, it looks like you have a Yoohoo sitting beside you, but I'm fairly certain that's not what it actually is. That's not a you. It's it's funny. Um, we don't have Yoohoo in the Great White North, and I've seen it several times in movies and and most recently when I was watching Friends. And I can tell you, I have no clue what Yoohoo is. Can it's somebody please tell me what watered down is? chocolate milk? Yeah, Ugh. that's Why? my biggest. I've never tried it, and I've never been enticed to try it. Is that really what it is? It's just chocolate milk, right? It's essentially chocolate drink that is a little bit watered down. It's supposed to be like, first of all, kids love it, and it's full of sugar. But also, it's supposed to be like pretty healthy for you. I think maybe I I might be Shut talking about my ass saying no, that no, no, fuck. That's way. how they advertise it. I'm no. telling you, like p- people recommend it to certain types of certain people with certain deficiencies of vitamins and everything. Uh, I think I've had it once in the last 15 years, and it was about two weeks ago. I, I want to try it out of curiosity, but I can't, like the association I can't get out of my head is that scene from Dodgeball where he wakes up in the morning and he brushes his teeth and then he rinses with Yoohoo. Oh, yeah. So I know if I did try it, it would just taste like like toothpaste <laughs> toothpaste and right. cho- <laughs> <laughs> Now, up there in uh, Canada, do you have like regular toothpaste or you guys got to like use some like something off of a horse hoof or something no we just use beaver oil beaver oil oh okay. god yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy it's good shit. for you sense god damn. uh brandon you're you're looking mighty fresh over there how you doing i'm doing okay i recently got a haircut would make which makes me feel exceptional yeah um I even when I don't actually feel it um I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I had a rough day at work, but you know, we're fighting the good fight. I'm excited to hang out with the boys. Um, and I'm kind of thirsty for a, for a Yoohoo now. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny cause every time I, I drink one and by every time, I mean like six times in the memorable life. I've never I'm had like, one. I'm like, this is not as satisfying as it should be, but it's still good. Is there any milk actually in it? That's what I genuinely wonder. I don't know. I'll look that up real quick. I want to let the, the listeners know that we recorded about six or seven minutes of this show uh, before. And then there, we had a technical issue and had to restart. There was a whole conversation lost to the sands of time about nicknames and how we got them. And we don't necessarily need to dive back into that and pretend like it's all natural and everything. I want people to know about it, that they that there's something out there that they'll never hear. That's right. And maybe I'll just tack it on to the end of the show if the files are preserved. I don't know. But Dave, I want you to tell us again what your nickname is, was in, because I just think it's so good. Wasn't it Dirty Beaver? Oh, wait. Go ahead. 
Close. Uh, Dirty Lambs. Uh, my last name is Lambden, and somebody uh, I played rugby with many years ago just came up to me one day and said, Dirty Lambs, and it, it just kind of stuck. Um, as I reiterated in our in in our lost episode uh, opener, it has no meaning. There, there. It's not associated with any story. I did not do anything lewd or or unspeakable to a lamb. It just somebody walked up and said it, and enough people heard it that people kept repeating it. So yeah, yeah. doubt. <laughs> dude, if I was Cole Phelps right now, I would be smashing the doubt button, dude. <laughs> okay, so I have an update on the Yoohoo ingredients, uh, and this comes from Publix.com. They apparently sell 12 packs of them. They sell them in cans now. It used to be only glass bottles that I'd see them in, but uh, the main ingredient in Yoohoo, the first, so the, if you didn't know, the first ingredient in an ingredients list is the thing that's most prevalent. And the first thing in it is water. <laughs> yep. Uh, the second, which makes some sense, right? Most yeah, beverages sure, are majority sure. water. Sure. The second thing is high fructose corn syrup, which again makes a little bit of sense because it's a it's a chocolate milk drink that they're sure. at least supposed to be. Uh, then you've got you asked about if there's actually milk in there. It's whey from milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got less than two percent of cocoa, so not a lot of chocolate in there. Non-fat dry milk. And then we start going into like all the preservatives and stuff like that. So there is a little bit of milk, a little bit of lactose product in there, along with a lot of uh, high fructose corn syrup and uh, a little bit, tiny bit of chocolate. So yeah, what but, makes this good for anyone? Nothing. Uh, that I, I think it's got like probably has like some calcium in it or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's actually good. I'm just saying that people so do, say it. So does licking rocks, though, you know. <laughs> Slippery rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, slip, slippery rock. You got a you got a slippery rock sweatshirt yeah, I, on there. I literally am am flexing my slippery rock merch right here. That you but, didn't you didn't even go to that school, Brandon? Dude, I applied and got accepted. <laughs> they wanted me. I didn't want them. Oh wow! Wow. Baller move. But yeah. I, we are talking about YooHoo and and things that we don't have here in in Canada. I did want to thank uh, Brandon and Ben, uh, you two specifically for uh, your great country hosting me over the weekend. Uh, I got to spend oh. two days in Western Michigan, the most exciting oh. part of the United States of America, Western Michigan. So it's really cool. I I, um, I tried a restaurant called Culver's, which I, I I brought up in the Discord. I'd never heard of it before, and y'all got some great fast food. That's for sure. A lot more options than we do. Well, we have a lot of fast food, that's for sure. I don't know I, if it all of it's great. But. Yeah, I was going to say, we, that's one thing we do have. Healthcare, uh, that's another topic. But <laughs> definitely many, many cheap and greasy foods. That's like kind of what we do. Is there cheap, a connection yep. there? Like we have a lot of garbage food, which by the way, I love. No, no. I'm not, I'm not, let's not front. We all like McDonald's, I, okay? I participate frequently. So. But... We so we have like is there a connection between the fact that we have a lot of fast food and don't have free healthcare? I think there no, is. No, no. <laughs> there's absolutely no way. Um, yeah. there's anything called lobbyists or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, like the 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 pharmaceutical industry lobbies hard against marijuana because they know there are medicinal effects that could help it. I think the fast food lobby probably, uh, they they probably lobby against universal healthcare. Dude, I've seen Wally. Wally. <laughs> I saw the future, dude. I watched Wally. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were like making a play on words there. but Lazy no. boy is just licking their lips until they can release those chairs that <laughs> That's float right. around for everybody. Damn, guys, it's the lazy lazy boy lobby. It's not even the fast food lobby. That's right. That's right. It's like, it's like the lazy boy lobby and the, the big and tall section at JCPenney lobby. Amen. That's what it is for sure. This yeah. is America. This is <laughs> Let's not even get started there. Uh, we got some news to talk about. It, it's like there's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of it's small, nothing huge this week, at least that we want to talk about. Um, but we got a few things to discuss. But first, I just want to ask you generally, how do you guys feel about games right now? Are you this is kind of a weird time of year. It's a little bit slow. Uh, is there anything you're like really looking forward to? Uh, well, we just got off Summer Games Fest and, mm-hmm. and all the big hullabaloo surrounding the next year in gaming and, and a little bit further on. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's it's we, we get these few pockets throughout the year where we have, you know, not a whole lot of major releases. And it's it's nice. It's calm. You can catch up on some reading or you, or, you know, other stuff, but you know, you can also go back and play Brandon's games. just like freaking yeah. out. Like, no. I, I really don't know why I said reading, but you can, you know, you, it, it's a nice time of the year where you can go and you can catch up on your backlog or you could log into to games pass or the new PlayStation plus and, you know, try some games that you missed. And, and I've been doing that and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that stuff a little bit later on, but it's slow, but slow is good. And we don't get too much slow in gaming these days, you know, we have the Fast and Furious Fall, and then now we have this new, like, like February, January, March insane release window, and it looks like that's going to carry on into next year. So we don't get a lot of these downtime. So I'm, I'm, I'm about it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, the, I'm making the most of it personally. So yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I am a little bit. I think if I didn't have Elden Ring, I would be a lot more panicky for Uh other games right now um i sometimes struggle with old games even though they're not you know old right i think that they're like six months old yeah "Ah." yeah i don't know and and certainly there is no um end to the backlog but i don't know i've just been playing things that i've continued to play since the beginning of the year and i'm kind of hoping that propels me to the end i know there's a ton of stuff coming out that i'm definitely interested in so I'm just lucky I have games like Elden Ring and weirdly enough, No Man's Sky that have kind of come out of nowhere that have honestly been a lot of fun. And Fortnite, to be honest, I I did not expect to be playing um, Fortnite. Typically, I dip in okay, and then dip out for like four months, but I've yeah. actually stuck around a little bit. So, um, I'm, so is this your third or fourth playthrough? Well, we'll save that for the end. We'll, we'll yeah, talk about yeah, what yeah. you've been playing later sure. on. Okay, well, let's talk about the future of Assassin's Creed, which I know, Dave, this is going to be a passionate topic for you, I assume, and somewhat for me as well. Uh, But GameSpot reports that the future of Assassin's Creed will be revealed in the September events as part of its 15th anniversary announcements. uh, This is a couple days ago. The French company suggested that some kind of an Assassin's Creed announcement is on tap for then. Uh, The Assassin's Creed, sorry, quote, the Assassin's Creed team hopes the community will enjoy these celebrations and invites all players around all players to join them this September as they unveil the future of Assassin's Creed during a very special event. Uh, that is all the publisher had to say, but one possibility is that we'll hear more about the ambitious Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is the code name, or at least so far it's the code name, during the event, or potentially the smaller scale Assassin's Creed title that focuses on Valhalla character Basm. So, Dave, talk to me about 
Assassin's Creed, the future, what are we looking at? Because you have kept on the series way more than I have. Um, I'm actually kind of excited to see something a little new and different. What about you? Yeah, big time. And I, I got to apologize. This actually happened last week, shortly before we came on. And I meant to bring it up as something to talk about. Obviously, we had a lot of other stuff to to kind of go over. But um, I, I'm really excited for this event. Um, as you alluded to, I've I've kept with the series pretty much from, from day two. I say day two because <laughs> I've never played the original Assassin's Creed, but I played all the other ones to completion. So I think that's fine. Yeah, I, I, you know, they announced this thing. I watched the video and all that stuff. And I, I really like what they're doing with like, there's like 12 weeks of celebrations and they're going to be adding new content to Valhalla. And there's like this little game you can play on their website um, where you have like Assassin's Creed trivia where you answer like 10 questions. And for each question you get right, you have, you're entered into a contest to like win stuff. So it's a really cool way to kind of like look down memory lane. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about it is they're, they're starting from the earliest or the latest game going back to the earliest. So like the first few weeks of the celebration, they're going to focus on Valhalla and then they'll go back to Odyssey and then Origins and work their way all the way back to um, once they get to September where the focus will be on Assassin's Creed 1. And that's where I think we get a bit of a clue as to part of what this sort of future of Assassin's Creed is going to be. I agree with you, Ben. I think we're going to get... Um, a somewhat clearer picture of what this next big Assassin's Creed project is, whether that be a live service thing or like a living, breathing game. I don't think it's going to be something that resembles what we saw with the last three games in Valhalla, Origins, and Odyssey. But I think the series is going to change quite a bit. So I think we're going to get some sort of semblance and an idea of what exactly that is in September. But I also think we're going to get something else smaller, something on like the Assassin's Creed Rogue scale, um, I was really hoping for that spinoff game that was rumored uh, with Basim. Um, but now I'm thinking it's probably going to be a remake of Assassin's Creed 1. Um, yeah. Simply because I, I don't know how many people are really looking for it. Obviously, I mentioned that was the one game I missed. So I would love to relive that game in like more of a modern lens. But, you know, they've remade... Um, you know, Assassin's Creed 2, all the Ezio stuff are not remade, but they remastered it. So it just kind of makes sense. Um, and just given the way they're kind of lining up the celebration, I think that's probably what we're going to get if, if we're guessing here. But in any case, I'm, re- I'm really liking the celebration. It's 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 a lot of fun. There's a lot of nostalgia there for me and, and other Assassin's Creed fans. So, yeah, it's cool. It's It's really cool stuff. And I wish more franchises would do this kind of stuff. So, yeah, 15 years is definitely a milestone to celebrate. And of course, they've made like maybe in technical terms, a butt ton of money off of this series. And it's definitely morphed over the years. I'm curious if they brought back, uh, Brandon, you played the, the Ezio trilogy. If they brought back any of those early games that, you know, you and I were really fans of. Yeah. What do you think reception would be like? Because there are people, you know, the plenty of people who have never played one of the old school Assassin's Creed games. They've only ever played the new couple or maybe even none at all. And they just know what the series looks like. Right. What, what do you think in, in the year 2022 that the, uh, that the reception would be to the old style Assassin's Creed games? No, I think that there definitely is some room for some new entries or, or I'm sorry, new people to experience these these entries to the series. Um, I think that at this point, the first couple games could definitely use an update. I would hope it would be more akin to a remake than a than a remaster, because yeah. I would love to see some of the 
and I'm positive at this point, it feels kind of old. Um, the like parkour is such an integral part of those games. I would love to see a slight update to those. Um, even if it was slight, like I'm not talking, it needs to be a complete system overhaul, but I think the sweet spot for that to keep people engaged is to take that old game, but to slightly bring it to the modern era. Um, uh-huh. And I think that that's where they're going to be most successful. I'm kind of hoping they lean into that. Sure. Um, as far as the future of Assassin's Creed goes, I think that this event's really cool. I think their best stuff is some of the stuff that's come out a while ago. And so it's really smart to kind of regain some of the traction by baiting nostalgia, more or less, for a back, lack of a better term. Um, I will say, even though I'm hopeful for the future of Assassin's Creed, I know that that Project Infinity was already from what I thought to be confirmed to be a live service game. Um, And that's kind of a little bit tricky for me. I think it can be done really well. Games like Fortnite are absolute pioneers in this field. But I think that Ubisoft has shown before that they kind of don't have their finger on the pulse of microtransactions and how that sort of thing works. Mm -hmm. So I hope they've heavily invested in some, you know, potentially brought on some other people to kind of help them even that out, I think. Um, And yeah, I guess I'm hopeful. I think they could do it right. I just am negative by default because I know that it's not exactly always worked out before. Um, I think the companies grow though, and I'd love to see a comeback to Assassin's Creed, even if that was a remaster of the old games. So, Yeah. And unfortunately, Ubisoft, while they have shown that they're a company that's willing to take risks, and I know that might shock some people, but remember that there's games out there like um, Riders Republic, like that's there's yeah. games like For Honor, right? Um, they've done these things yeah, that all, are different. All the failures, but at the same time, they they have shown an inability over the past uh, generation or two to really evolve their established genres into something different. So, you know. As you mentioned, Ben, Assassin's Creed has continued to make a butt ton of money, sure. but there's a lot. I think they've lost a lot of long-term fans because the, the series has just changed so much. You look at something like Ghost Recon; um, they have killed Ghost Recon with Breakpoint, and then yeah. whatever this frontline thing was, completely flopped on its face. So, I, I don't think we've seen a real good example of of Ubisoft really kind of morphing their their established uh, franchises properly. So, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like because if this is just a persistent microtransaction laden assassin's creed it's going to show pretty quickly but at the same time you know if they're going to end off this celebration in september with here's a remake of assassin's creed one maybe that goes to show that they're trying to evolve the franchise but also take it back to its roots somewhat because right. the whole looter thing is is just kind of hasn't killed the franchise, but it's 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 not what it once was. So. Well, I mean, you even look at things like the Division Two. Where the fuck did that game go? Right. You know what I mean? Like that it's also still around. Happened. It's still well, hanging around. I know it's still around, and people still play it. But you, yeah, I mean, look at the numbers. You see what I'm trying to say here? Right. But you know, I'd be happy for them to do something new, and it'd be great. I just. I'm not holding my breath, I guess, is what I'm saying. I think they have potential. I mean, clearly they have IPs and they have talented people. I just think somewhere between the creative idea of Ubisoft and the financial ideas of Ubisoft, it loses me. It really does. Um, So, and, And that's kind of unfortunate because even if I like the creative side, I can kind of be turned off by the... 
um, money side. But right. I, I mean, and to Dave's point, I guess it doesn't even matter. It literally could be a tra- microtransaction hell and people will still pay money for it because right. Diablo Immortal just made $24 million in a week. I don't know if you were, we were going to talk about well, that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But like, you know, and, and, and you know, we'll dip into it later. But I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Right. So. And that's kind of unfortunate for people like me because that kind of turns me off. But maybe games are just changing and these companies are like, hey, you know, maybe we don't have to put as much effort for lack of a better way to explain it. But, I don't know. you know, I've been toying around with going back and playing the Ezio collection. Um, I'd have to I think I'd probably have to buy it. I don't I don't have any of them on modern hardware, but uh, it, it's getting to a point where I'm like, hmm. If they don't announce, you know, like now that we see these rumors and stuff like that, if they announce a, uh, a remake or a remaster sometime soon, then I'll definitely be buying that. But if they don't, I'm probably just going to bite the bullet and buy that and and play it because there's no reason not to. I just want to play it. I want to get back in and experience it. And I just I, I keep thinking, like, maybe I shouldn't go back and play it because it'll be worse than I remember. I just looked up some some YouTube videos of the uh, the first game before the remaster and i'm like hmm, or not the first game but, but of, of uh, the Ezio stuff and i was like you know what this doesn't actually look that bad it looks pretty close to how i remember it holds up okay yeah it holds up okay so yeah. we'll see i i just i think the reason i hate on assassin's creed modern assassin's creed so much is because i loved old assassin's creed so much and i don't when i really think about it i don't dislike the new stuff that much it's just that that's not what i want and they're like they're almost bastardizing the name of the game for me so right I, I even would be interested to see what they have planned for the future but uh I, i'm gonna hold out a little hope and maybe a little prediction that we see a remaster of of some a, re, a remake or a remaster or at least a re-release of some of the older titles put one two brotherhood um whatever the other Ezio one was in there Re- for those are revelations revelations, revelations. Yeah. even full price i'd probably still buy that whole package dude 60 70 bucks for f- three or four games that's value you know, even if they do nothing, I mean, I, I said earlier, I'd love for them to update things, but I guess it'd be kind of a win either way uh, to be able to recapture those old moments. So, right. so some of the best in, in like any of their IPs, like literally any IP Ubisoft has, like some of the best um, right. there. So, well, we'll see. We'll see what they have planned. Let's move along to uh, an article from Push Square. Uh, we also saw this article a couple different places um and all over twitter of course push square says that tony hawk 3 and 4 remasters were canned after the developer merger uh and that's according to tony hawk um himself himself the man himself the legend damn uh quote a remastered collection of ps1 and ps2 classics tony hawk pro skater 3 and tony hawk's pro skater 4 was planned by vicarious visions until the studio merged with activision blizzard that's according to the legendary skateboarder himself who revealed the news during a live stream yesterday. This was a couple days ago now. Uh, or maybe it was just yesterday. I don't know. He said the plan was to remaster the third and fourth entries even up until the release day of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 on PS4. Once the developer was absorbed by the, the Overwatch and Diablo developer, Activision did take pitches from external studios, but reportedly wasn't satisfied with any of them. Vicarious Visions has since aided in the development of Diablo 2 Resurrected. Um, Tony Hawk said on the live stream, quote, that was the plan, even up until the release day of one and two, we were going to three and four and then Vicarious kind of got absorbed and they were looking for their developers and then it was over. Uh, they didn't really trust anyone the day, the way they did Vicarious to remaster the third and fourth titles. So they took other pictures from studios. Now, 
I know we had some rumors, some bands leaked out that they were working with Tony Hawk on a new title, and we we assumed it would be a remaster or remake. And uh, of course, one and two did crazy numbers. It did really well. It satisfied my nostalgia for like a full weekend. It was amazing. But we've also talked about like it's a shame that Vicarious Visions got pulled off of that project or or of what we presumed would be projects. Uh, we're also talking about Toys for Bob, and they're going to work on. Um, they're going to work on uh, what's the name of the game? Call of Duty. And so like we see these people doing these cool projects and the stuff that we want and going to work on other stuff. And granted that other stuff's making more money, but like, where's the satisfaction for us, Dave? Like, do we, do we, do we not, are we never going to get these remasters now? It, I mean, it doesn't look like it. (laughs) It's, it's, I, it's funny. I hear you say, you know, the, you certainly insinuated that the game was successful, and I, I don't know if I agree because it, it, it. I kind of feel like the the announcement was bigger than the actual release, mm-hmm. um, and maybe a lot of people kind of saw it the same way you, way you did, where it was this is going to be cool for a weekend or a day or two. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't see the numbers they were hoping for, and obviously with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, if you're going to remake or remaster a game. Um, something that's so important is that music. And maybe they looked at, you know, what they brought in from a revenue standpoint on the remakes of one and two and just thought this isn't worth it on, you know, going and getting the licensing stuff for the music that they would need to do for three and four. Um, Cause you know, that, that obviously does change things. It's not just a matter of, you know, redoing the graphics and the gameplay and the stuff, but you, you have to invest in, in, in that sort of um, intellectual property. So right. Um, I'm not super surprised. I'm, I'm also not super upset. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with what we have and, you know, in terms of skating games, I'd, I'd love to see what EA has with skate, but yeah, it's not, it's not super surprising for me personally. Oh, the, um, you you might be right about the soft sales and overall, but the way I looked at it was, I think, let me see here. Uh, Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two, uh, reached 1 million units sold since its release date on September 4th. And this was written on September 14th. So in 10 days, it sold a million copies. And of course, I'm sure it sold more than that, of course, at a discount. So, I mean, for a remake, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good number, I feel like. Yeah. But when you're talking about Activision money, you're talking yeah. about Diablo money, you're talking yeah. about Call of Duty money, a, a million copies is nothing. Who gives yeah. a shit about that? I think that's part of the problem. Even though companies like to make it seem like they're doing the fans a huge solid every single time they put out a remaster, like this is for the fans. We've been wanting to bring this back to you guys for forever. It's all money moves, you know, oh, of course. Yeah. And at the end of the day, especially, especially with a company like Activision, we know that money talks and money actually does most of it. Um, yeah. So um, I guess I'm not surprised by this. It is kind of unfortunate. Um, I'm not crying over spilt milk here. I mean, I haven't played one and two, the the remasters I do have in a long time, but I guess it would have been cool for the people that really latched on to those originally. Um, right. So not surprising to me, but I guess kind of sad. My, my favorite part about this story is, is, you know, every week we talk about a lot of sources and leaks, but this has got to be the most credible source (laughs) of any story we've ever talked about. Literally the guy whose name is in the title says, yeah, "Yeah, it's not happening. Dude, the only one up would be is if Tom Clancy came from the grave (laughs) to (laughs) say something about one of the new games. That would would be the only more credible source I would accept. He's like, Um, I heard you were talking shit on The Division. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, uh, so yeah. disrespectful. I love it. I, I was thinking, I don't, I don't remember where I heard this and my numbers could be off, but I think at one point, maybe it was, maybe it was before the first game came out or after, I don't know, but they went to Tony Hawk and they offered him like half a million dollars just to use his name forever. And he was like, absolutely. He was like, no, I'm just, I want to really? be partners and keep doing it. And he's made so many times more than that. That's smart. That so I can't smart. even imagine it. So, I mean, he's just at, at the time, especially he's just, you know, he's a punk kid skateboarder who didn't really probably care about the money as much as he did about the cred, like of right. having a game that he got to be involved in. And yeah, they were just dude. like, for, for us to just buy your name and use it forever. Uh, for us to Tom Clancy you here, yes, uh, we'll, literally, <laughs> we'll give you half a million dollars, and he turned it down. And I think that's pretty rad. Yeah, what a G. I mean, it, even at the time, he didn't have, really probably have a need for money too much, but he's definitely, uh, definitely well off from that decision now. Sure. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Uh, okay. Dave, this one, this one I know you've got some words to say on it. It comes from Kotaku. Says, developer admits there's no way to complete KOTOR 2 on Switch. Uh, Aspire, the developer slash porter behind the recent release of Knights of the Old Republic 2 on Nintendo Switch, has tweeted that it's aware the game is currently impossible to finish. The Austin-based Aspire made its name porting classics to new systems, most recently bringing a slew of Star Wars titles to the Switch. Most recently, the most recent of these is the achingly named but utterly wonderful Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. But after some pressing from a customer on Twitter, the studio acknowledged that it's aware the game is presently bugged such that it cannot be completed on Nintendo's handheld. Uh, The tweet to them was, I was one of the users who reported this problem before it was a known issue. Just to be clear, you're aware there is no way to complete the game currently. And Aspire responded on Twitter and said, yes, we are aware. And our dev team is working on delivering the patch as soon as possible. We apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate your patience in the meantime. Dave, What's the who messed up the worst here? I, I think I think we talked about it slightly before the show. Uh, this is Aspire big time. Um, it I, I'm just blown away because, you know, third party titles on Nintendo. That's where you go to play ports and, and third party titles is Nintendo Switch, because I've never had an issue with with anything <laughs> on my no. Nintendo Switch. But um, yeah, I mean, ha- like the crazy thing about this, and and I saw this on Twitter, and I haven't corroborated it yet, but um, there are a handful of uh, reviews on our favorite um, review aggregator, Ben Metacritic, mm-hmm. uh, for the Switch <laughs> version that do not mention this, and they're all rated like in the seventies, but none of the reviews mention anything about a game breaking bug that that bug that prevents you from actually finishing the game. Um, which is kind of sad because that means all those reputable reviewers, you have to be reputable to be on Metacritic. Like you can't, like not anybody can actually contribute to Metacritic. So the fact that these people reviewed the game, didn't finish it and didn't report this is pretty sad. But I mean, don't these things go through some QA? I get it's a super old game. I get it's going to the Switch where not a lot of people are going to actually buy it and play it, but there has to be somebody who's sitting down and finishing your port. <laughs> like, you, yeah, it's just, it's unreal. It's, I, I don't know how something like this happens. Well, in the, the, the worst, yeah. 
the worst part is that nobody mentioned it. I'm looking right now at the Metacritic page and it's got a 79 on Metacritic. Uh, it's got very few user reviews, which is probably not that atypical. Um, and it just, nobody's mentioning that. Hmm. Uh, nobody's saying that, that it can't be finished. Yeah, uh, We've got a few of these recent reviews from like the last couple of days um, that say like, hey, the game can't be finished or something like that. But man, I just can't even possibly imagine. And it makes me even more concerned because Aspire is working on the remake for the, the re yeah, the total remake for PlayStation. Yep. And I'm like, hmm, were you just so busy that this didn't get caught? Or, and okay, here's another part that makes me angry. They respond to that tweet with, we are aware that the game doesn't, you can't finish the game. It's like, well, then what the hell? Why didn't right. you say anything? Yeah, exactly. That is so fucked. Um, I just feel like in no reality, would you not have pushed it out? Like somebody beat the game on Switch yeah. or at least tried to beat the game on Switch, right? Right. Like you would think like you would think literally there has to be some QA on Switch that tried to beat the game. There has to be. And then they either just didn't give a fuck enough and they pushed it out or... I mean, maybe it is just complete negligence, and I don't know which one is worse. So, uh, the game that um, Super Perils of Baking that you know recently released for from the studio I work for, they they had the game in QA at Nintendo, and they sent back a thing that was like, "Hey, in level, I don't remember the specifics, but it was fairly well into the game." So, like on level twenty two, when you make this jump, if you do this, it does that, and that shouldn't be the case. So, like they clearly played it somewhat. But I guess the QA at Switch didn't really bother to finish the game. And the QA at Aspire, if there was any, I assume there was, didn't bother to finish the game or whatever. Or maybe, hey, it's possible once this actually got out onto retail units, something changed. There's something in the... I don't know. But it's. I think it's just embarrassing, frankly. Yeah, yeah I, I, I personally wouldn't expect storefronts to be held accountable in any way for this sort of thing. I think, you know, if you're going to put a game on a storefront, whether it be on the PlayStation store or Microsoft store or whatever, um, you know, there should be some sort of agreement in place where it's like, if you, if you are submitting this game to go on our store, you are agreeing that it has gone through your own internal QA. And if we find that it hasn't, then you're not going to be putting any further games and we're going to remove your, your, your game. So I personally like this all falls on Aspire. They manage the PR poorly, like really, really poorly. The fact that this has been broken by some user on Twitter and they acknowledge it in the way they did. And you're right, Ben, like Sony's got to be looking at this. Like, how did you guys miss this? And what right. is the end product of um, the KOTOR remake going to be like? Cause this is, this is not good at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to clarify, I don't think it should necessarily be. I mean, if you can't boot up the game, then, yeah, the platform holder shouldn't put it out. But I don't think it's on the pla on on Nintendo. I'm just surprised they didn't catch it because they clearly actually play through the game or at mm -hmm. least portions of it, I guess. So, right, right. Right. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's talk a little bit about Diablo Immortal. Brandon, you alluded to this earlier. Uh, but this comes from PocketGamer.biz. It says Diablo Immortal has made this is as a few days ago. Uh, has made over $24 million in the first two weeks. Five million downloads for the first free-to-play title in the Activision Blizzard franchise. Now, first, I want to say that five million downloads, I wonder what all that encompasses because, like, at one point, I downloaded it on my computer, on my 
phone and on my iPad and was using the same account. I ended up deleting the mobile versions and just stuck with the computer version because I don't think I had enough uh, storage for all of them, but that's beside the point. So anyway, data from AppMagic has revealed Diablo Immortal garnered over 8 point, oh, this says 8.5. That one other said 5, but whatever. In the first two weeks, 8.5 million downloads in the first two weeks of release, earning developer Blizzard more than $24 million in the process. The new release means that Diablo Immortal has quickly become one of the developer's most downloaded apps, as well as its second highest earner behind the mobile version of the company's popular card game, Hearthstone. The game has proven especially popular in the United States, where users were responsible for 43% of all revenue, with South Korea providing 23%. First of all, let's just stop there. That's insane that South Korea, as small of a country as it is, yeah. is 23% of all the revenue. Dude, they are hungry for Diablo, apparently. Ooh, and they're rich. Goodness gracious. Yeah, there's some wealth there, but, but also I know that and I hope I'm not like miscategorizing or generalizing or whatever. I feel like I remember stories in the past about like there being a large issue in South Korea specifically with like WoW and addictions to it and mm. other similar games. So I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but 23% for that small of a country is just absolutely insane. Yeah, literally that's, that's crazy. And I so guess we, go ahead. Go, going back to my point earlier, um, we've, we talked a little bit about how microtransaction-y this is, right? And I honestly want to get a little bit of Ben's take, because have you played it more? I've played it a few more hours since okay. the last time we talked about it, yeah. Because I've talked to people who don't genuinely seem to think that it not necessarily pressures you, but that you can't can do most stuff without. And obviously you can, but... I don't know. I just feel like these are insane numbers that really speak to how the game was made. If you can make $24 million and, you know, things like Warzone are not are not any better, but it really just I don't know. It makes me think about how the game was set up if there's this instantaneously of a uh, money pushed into the company. So I don't know. Well, and we've seen how many videos and and clickbait headlines and tweets and stuff about like this streamer spent 15 grand just to prove that you could still couldn't get the top whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of people with lots of money who are doing it for entertainment and making even more money that are just spending money to prove a point uh, or to get clicks or whatever. And so, like, there is some of that where you've got some of these whales who are maybe doing it for other purposes that aren't necessarily actually the common user. But, like, I don't see many of those coming out of South Korea. I see a lot yeah. of those that are U- U.S.-based. So there's clearly regular Joe Schmoes buying things in the game. Uh, I will say, here's a, another piece. Diablo Immortal player beats server boss without microtransactions. This comes from PC Games N. And it says, Wudiju? Uh, I don't know how to say his name for sure, but a Diablo YouTuber who covers methods to strengthen your character without microtransactions emerge victorious from fighting the ultimate and eponymous immortal boss. And also the subsequent PVP battle that decides which clan will decide will become the new immortals on a Diablo server. And they did it without spending a single penny. Wow. Um, Now it goes on to say that while he didn't spend any money, his clan members did. So, Technically, it is possible to do it, but it sounds like there's still a lot of work that you got to put into it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. say, yeah, if all your buddies pay and you're the cheap ass, yeah, then they can definitely sure buy you <laughs> through the through the raid. So. Now, Dave, I know you're looking to buy a new house soon, potentially. You're at least exploring that. 
would you consider instead of doing that <laughs> uh just carrying me through the end game of this sure 15K. Man. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain that to the wife and and she'll yeah. be she'll be totally understanding but yeah um yeah i mean one of the big stories about diablo immortal when it first came out was was the reaction the review bombing on metacritic all this kind of stuff uh turns out that was all bullshit because this game is making back bucks so yeah yeah i mean we talked about money talks earlier on the show and and it's yeah, this is this is this is not good in my opinion because a lot of people are going to see this and um, and and think this is the kind of thing that actually makes you a lot of money. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to see more of this, I think. But um, yeah. hey, I guess the game's fun, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm with Dave. I feel like part of me cringes every time something like this is successful because not that it is on the side of being. Um, too much, but it's close enough that I feel scummy about it. So, right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think that's the case. And I don't think this issue is going to get better until people stop spending money. And we clearly know that is not going to happen. So like, I think we just have to embrace the idea that these people aren't making these games for us. There's a very, in comparison to all of gamers, there's a very small contingent of those who listen to podcasts or do podcasts or follow influencers on Twitter or whatever that that the that rail against this kind of stuff, um, you know, like we're doing where we talk about how bad it is. There's a very small portion of the population that actually thinks that way. Right. And the rest of the people are just like, yeah, I'll throw five bucks in there for whatever. Sure. And so there's a ton of people who don't even know at this point that the game is predatory well, and they're just perfectly content playing it. And that's fine. We're that's just not the, that we're just not the right market for that, I guess. Right. So. It is what it is, I suppose. It's more akin to Candy Crush, you know, just pop pop a fiver in there and you can get some more shit. So <laughs> it's def- definitely, definitely not my type of game. That's for sure. Candy Crush is astonishing to me because I know they have like little spinoffs and whatever, but like the base game is still getting development updates. It's still making them lots and lots and lots of money. And it hasn't fundamentally changed in years. Yeah. And I'm like, who is still, I mean, how long has that game been out? Close Dude. to 10 years? Yep. Dude. That game is still raking in cash, and I yeah. just can't figure out why. I bet you people are still playing Farmville, too. I shit you not. Listen, I forgot about Farmville. Listen, don't bring up Farmville. I'm still bitter about it when they when it wouldn't work uh, <laughs> anymore. The original Farmville, because they moved to Farmville 2 or whatever. Damn. Back when I was in college. That was a great game. All right. I don't care if it was attached to Facebook. It was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, a couple more stories here. Cuphead studio director on delays and long development says, who cares? This comes from IGN and professional animators who still animate by hand in 2D are hard to find, says studio MDHR's Maja Maldenhauer. And it's understandable given how the style of animation given way to digital has given way to digital animation and how physically demanding good animation can be, which is why she says they don't. Oh, sorry. Studio MDHR had to take care of the handful of folks it found to work on Cuphead in its DLC. Delicious last course, by the way, coming out uh, next week, I think. June 30th. Yeah, June 30th. Even if that meant both took a very long time to make over a decade, in fact. She said it's hard to find people. The number one thing, especially through COVID, was keeping everybody happy. This is video games. Take your time. Mental health needed to be at the forefront. Taking the space and time that you needed, especially over the last two years, were like, quote, if it takes longer for the games to come out, it takes longer. Who cares? Uh, I want to ask you guys about this. Clearly, 
these guys had some money to work with. And as we've said many, many times, a game takes as long as it needs to take, and it's usually better for it. Delays are okay as long as it's not like going to still come out in a broken state or the, they're not just totally being incompetent with it or it's not getting rebooted 15 times. But I don't know what I just want to hear you guys thoughts on like the fact that, yeah, it's it's been a long time since we've heard about the DLC for Cuphead and it's just finally now coming out. And we don't know how long it is. We don't know how much of it there's going to be. It's probably going to be very similar to the base game. But how do you feel about the statement, Brandon, that, you know, who cares about delays and stuff like that? No, I'm. Honestly, I'm kind of there. I feel like there's a big difference between getting fans super excited for something and giving them tons of gameplay and info and dates and then going back on that and then just saying, hey, it's going to come eventually. I feel like there's a big difference. Um, And I think that a good game is made with good people um, and the people got to be good. So I think this is great. Um, I wish more companies would be like this. I just think that sometimes when money is involved, um, the pressure can be on. So I know they did pretty well for themselves with Cuphead. Um, so I don't know that money is necessarily an issue, but are they are they funded by somebody or is it just, just them? I think their initial funding, well, they were helped by Microsoft, if I okay. remember correctly. I don't know any details on that. I just know okay. it was a Microsoft exclusive. Uh, but now between like, how I mean, the game is crazy good and it's sold an intense amount of copies. Right. So, of course, that's going to help. And then that, I'm sure they signed some massive deal for the animated show and right, everything. Right. So, so yeah. I guess whenever you're in the situation like they are, it is a little bit easier to say, hey, take your time. But I wish that more developers um, and QA testers and animators and sound designers had this luxury. Um, but I just don't think this happens for everyone. So I think it's good. I think it's really good. Um, And um, I would assume this will do nothing but increase the quality when you have happy people working on the game. So sure. Dave, are you, uh, are you looking forward to the Cuphead DLC? I am. I still haven't finished the, uh, the first one. I'm, 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 I'm approaching my my deadline for my quarterly Cuphead level to beat because it's, <laughs> it's the game that I just pick up, beat one level, and then I put it down for a month because it's exhausting. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this this pretty much solidifies, you know, MDHR is is a small studio, and this is something that a small studio would say because they don't have a boardroom full of board members and stockholders and three different levels of management, uh, like you know. CD Projekt Red did with Cyberpunk. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is refreshing. It's it's good to hear that they're moving at their own pace. I do wonder if the Netflix stuff derailed the DLC slightly, because again, this is a small team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't recall hearing anybody over the past two years speak uh, ill of MDHR because of how long this was taking. Um, but People are just happy to get more Cuphead. And, uh, you know, the pride of Oakville, Ontario, which is the town right next to me here, which is where MDHR is located, uh, they are going to put out a quality product. And, uh, you know, by 2032, we'll have Cuphead 2 and everybody will love it. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank God. My son loves Cuphead and he's better at it than me. So, oh, wow. shit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not bad. That's it's tough. not that I'm terrible or anything. He's just pretty good. Yeah, and my nephew. He tells me about it all the time too. My wife's nephews watched me play, and um, they now every time they come over, they have to play it. And I'm proud to say they still aren't better than me. And they're really <laughs> good at video games, but they they haven't cracked the Cuphead 
um, egg yet. So I'm, nice. I'm, I'm happy. I still am superior over them at something in video games. So perfect. Dude, nothing's better than owning some children. I do that all the time in Fortnite. <laughs> I don't even know about it. So you've owned my, my son in uh, super smash brothers. He was confident he could beat you. And then you just totally destroyed him. Dude, dude, tell him next yeah. time he, next time he wants a beat down, call me up. All right. I'll let him know <laughs> real quick. I don't really have a lot to say about this. Maybe you guys do, but, uh, just, Last Thursday, which is the episode, the day our episodes go out to free feeds, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced to be officially in development, and it's being built on the Resident Evil engine. Um, they announced that at the end of a, a live stream last week. Uh, but real quick, do, do either of you have any experience with Dragon, Dragon's Dogma? No. So okay. I don't have any experience. Um, I've heard whispering on the internet that as a Dark Souls fan, I may be interested. Yeah. But I will also say, as someone who is a Resident Evil fan, I don't think the Resident Evil engine is very good. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, not that the games are bad. I'm going to say that. I, I, I like Seven. I like Village. If that's what they're talking about, fine. I just think that, I don't know, Seven looks so muddy. And Village looks great, but it could look better. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think the games look fine. And I'm hoping that they can they can work with the engine and maybe do some things that resident evil couldn't but right i just sorry i just gotta say brandon um i i also have not played the game however i have been interested um and i think the thing that most interests me is because i'm a monster hunter fan so oh, if yeah. you're a fan of what you are plus monster hunter i think we're onto something here yeah nice. we're really awesome real. yeah but, yeah go play dragon's dogma i guess i don't know yeah Apparently. on the switch on the <laughs> switch it'll probably sell well i'm sure dragon's dogma obviously was huge and then they did the anime as well uh that brought a lot more people into the fold so i'm sure it'll sell well boys it's time to move on to that part of the show where we talk about what we've been playing brandon let's start with you since you already started alluding to your games earlier right yeah mine's gonna be more uninterestingness. um i have really really genuinely hit my stride with elden ring um i am on my third full playthrough. I have four characters, but this is I've only I'm going to beat it three times, essentially yeah. is what I'm saying. So I really feel like I have fully understood how the game works and how to progress efficiently and how to level efficiently and be the best I can be in the shortest amount of time. Um, and I haven't gotten to this point in a game in a long time. So the fact that I can feel this way and experience the things I'm experiencing it's amazing. And I will say that, you know, for what it's worth, I have found things on every single new playthrough that I have never experienced before after 200 hours of looking around in this game. And mind you, it's a big game. I get it. But I don't know. There's just something so special about that. Um, you think you figured it out and there's always something else around the corner. So um, would you do a challenge run? Uh, yeah, I would definitely consider it. I've seen some really awesome bow builds, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that would be super fun, like a bow throwable build. No melee weapons at all. That would be absolutely batty. Um, I'd potentially give it a go. Sure. I've even considered doing the, um, the level one runs just to see how far I can, you know, put myself in the pain zone. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But um, honestly, that's almost about it. I've been playing some No Man's Sky with Ben again, and that's been super fun. Um, that game's awesome. Uh, I think the multiplayer stuff they added was just right. I would love to see them to continue to update it. And if the past shows anything, it's that they're going to update it. So 
I'm excited for the future of No Man's Sky, even though I feel like, you know, the past is so vast at this point. So it almost, it all, I do like the fact that there's the multiplayer, but I will say that we've had some problems with it, too. We have, you know, not being able to connect to each other, things not showing up for each other when we're in, you know, multiplayer. Yeah, it's been um, jank. But just to elaborate on No Man's Sky, I'm just like, this is the first time I've really ever played it. And I think I've got probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 hours in it at this point. And I'm just continually, you know, impressed with the amount of complexity in there. Uh, it's just every time I think I'm like, okay, I'm finally getting it figured out. It's like, hey, here's another thing now you can do. And I'm like, I'm 20 hours into the game. <laughs> right. There's a new thing. And I love that. Yeah. I also hate it because it just keeps me, you know, guessing constantly. But I, I do like it as, right. as overall. Yeah. Dave. You know, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that's that's it for me. What about you, Dave? Um, yeah, I've I've only been playing Dishonored. In fact, I just finished it before we came on the show today. So nice. um, how's it I feel? Know, I know everybody's been um hotly anticipating my my review of Dishonored. I think the embargo's up, right, Ben? We can talk about it now. <laughs> uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Is this your first time playing it, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Oh nice. Okay. Damn, yeah. dude. Um I loved it. It was it was short. Um the I found myself using pretty much like all of the abilities throughout the game. Um, I think it's the kind of game where you can legitimately go back and have a completely different playthrough, um, make different decisions, um, different characters will survive. But more importantly, you could go and like kill everyone because I was moving through the game and trying not to kill as many people, trying to sneak as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it's 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 I've kind of had like a stealth game hiatus and. I think this was a nice sort of re-entry point to getting back into the sneaky sneaky because this game is just designed so well. Like the amount of freedom you get to approach, um, you know, the different the different objectives that you have. Um, and it, that's the other part of the replayability is I feel like I could go back and replay these missions and go through the levels in like almost completely different routes um, because there's just that much freedom. So... Yeah, I really, I really liked it. And I can't stress enough how nice it is to be done with a game in like eight to twelve hours. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. it was a Game Pass game, so it's not like I paid uh, full price for it. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was good. I, I really liked it. I don't know if I said this on the show or if we were talking about it afterwards, but that the one thing um, I found the blink ability to be so fun and so satisfying to use, but at the same time, it felt kind of overpowered because I felt like I could just kind of like zip past like entire groups of enemies and like across like these massive like um swaths of of the map and like it, it just felt really easy at time but it's uh it was it was a lot of fun nevertheless so um so yeah i mean as i said i i, I don't play a lot of stealth games anymore so rather go uh going straight into dishonor 2 uh, I actually installed Prey uh, right before oh, nice. we started wow. started cool. the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on the Arcane uh, TIP and uh, move on to Prey next. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Dishonored was great. If you haven't played it, if you have Game Pass, um, go check it out. Um, had a lot of fun with it. So I give it a solid uh, nine out of ten. Nice. You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned um, you know that it was a shorter game, eight ten hours, which was perfect for you. Uh, for, and and I agree with that. And you mentioned it was on Game Pass. So it wasn't, as someone who in 2012 paid full price for that game, I can tell. And I was I had very little money. You know, I was freshly married. I was married in 2012. I was like just bought a new house, uh, you know, making very little money at work. 
and I spent $60 on that game and it was, I felt like it was the best $60 I'd ever spent in my life at that point. So I can tell you that that game uh, is worth the free play on game pass for sure. If you haven't did played you, it, before. did you play it once or did you play it multiple times? I think I played it two or three times. Oh, wow. But I don't think the third time I played it the whole way through. Uh, and I didn't do that all at once. I you know I played it through the first time and then maybe like a year later, I played it again and then started it again, but never finished it. Right, the right. funny thing is as much as I love dishonored and as much as I like arcane, I've never played the whole way through dishonored too. And I think I need to rectify that for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's, dude. It's a it's a sad thing for me did, that I haven't. Did, did you play the standalone too? I haven't. No, I played one and two. The Outsider? Yeah. No, I haven't played that. I think that comes after two, technically. Yeah. yeah. Like in, in release order, at least. Right, I'm not sure. Right, right. Plot. Yeah. Cool, Dave. Is that, that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm excited to talk about Prey next week, but yeah, just Dishonored this week. Nice. Uh, so I already talked a little bit about No Man's Sky, but, you know, I've been playing a little bit of that and enjoying it. Um, I haven't been playing nearly as much sea of thieves as i used to i've pretty much only been playing it for streaming and i've been able to stream less then the segment is what are you playing not what aren't you playing (laughs) i just want to reinforce some things here okay come on so with that said the thing i'm noticing two things about sea of thieves that are that's that i feel like i want to talk about one is i'm like falling in love again with the game all over because i spent i spent so much time in it that i just kind of got numb to some of the things and now that I'm playing it less and seeing less, I'm just getting those experiences that sometimes I haven't had in a month now, whereas used to it was like twice a week. Right. And sometimes like not seeing something for a long enough that when I see it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, the other thing is I'm noticing like and maybe it's new because there's more. I mean, the, the game has always had bugs and it probably always will have bugs. It's so huge. But like there's just some of the development they've been doing on it. They've been slowly messing up little things like. Not game breaking thing. Well, there are some game breaking things occasionally, but like for instance, on the in the last update, they changed something that now when you try to slow your ship down, you know, you pull up the sails and everything, you just keep drifting and it's further and further every time they've updated the game recently. Oh, and damn. used to you could pretty much predict exactly where you would stop, and now it just like you just slowly keep going. And hmm. so like there's things I'm noticing about it that I'm loving more and things about it that I'm loving less. Hmm. But with that said, um, I still love the game. It's I, I just think it's awesome. Um, that's a, that's a whole thing for me. I played TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Oh hell yeah! Played the whole way through it um, almost twice now. It's a, so short, especially if you're playing on easy mode like I was because I'm a baby bitch. And uh, I I love the old TMNT games. I love any kind of these old you know brawlers or um, arcade type games. Beat 'em ups, um, yeah, yeah, the beat 'em ups. And it's just, it's done so well. I can't emphasize that enough that it feels just like the old games, but better. They didn't, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. They didn't try to create some new crazy system or, you know, there's, there's no weird microtransactions or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, remember that, that style of game you used to love that they don't make anymore. We're going to make one and that's going to be just as good. And it is, it's every bit of it's great. The one thing, the, the only real complaint I have with it, is that you can play cross-play between PC and Xbox, but I can't play cross-play with people on PlayStation. And for a game that is, and probably, I'll probably switch to, I assume. Damn. For a game that is like so incredibly designed and built to be the perfect co-op game, 
it's so disappointing that I'm like, I can't play with my friends on PlayStation. Right. Um, unless I buy it on PlayStation and like, I'm not going to do that right now because I already yeah. have access to it. So, yeah. And then the final thing is the Quarry. Uh, I played through the Quarry over the past week. And other than some small visual effects and a few little weird things that I messed up, I think, on user error, but I'm not 100% sure, I really enjoyed it. It's totally different from any games that I normally play. I've played a few of these, you know, choose your own adventure, um, decision-based QTE-type games uh, with branching paths, you know, over the years, and I've enjoyed them. But for whatever reason, I think it's it's the combination of campy horror and uh, allusions to old horror films and, and media that I'm just, like, really, really getting into. I really got into it. Um, I like the story. I thought the performances were great. Like I said, there were a few parts in the game where I'm like, this visual effect compared to that one just isn't good compared to the rest of the game, you know. Um, but I really like it. The thing I will say is probably at a $70 price point, it's not worth picking up unless you're going to play it right away 10 times and see all sorts of different endings and stuff. Uh, it should have been, in my opinion, a 40 or $50 game even. I would even say 50 would be fair. But it's just not quite there for a $70 game. It has too many bugs the the features where you can replay they don't have a way where you can like go back and go into any chapter you want it's basically like once you go back to a chapter it erases everything after that and you go from that point yeah that's what until dawn was like so. yeah and, and i know a lot of these games do that and i kind of even understand the technical reasons why but i just think that unless you're like i'm gonna play this 10 hour game five times in a row right then just wait until yeah. it drops a little bit in price did you feel the cast was bloated no, I didn't feel that way at all. I actually, I actually think I liked every person, every character in the cast hmm. uh, for different reasons. And there's some that you only see very briefly. There's some that, of course, you spend the whole game with. Sure, but I didn't feel like it was bloated at all in that in that respect. Yeah, I'm as an Until Dawn fan. I'm very excited to check that out. So, yeah. you know what I realized? I never personally played. I, I think I started a playthrough once or twice, but I never personally played Until Dawn. I've watched other people play it and like participated in their decisions. Sure. I've watched playthroughs of it. And I mean, you know, in reality, that's a lot of what that game is, is right. watching things unfold. Exactly. But I, I realized I've never actually personally sat down and gone A to Z with it. But I feel like I've still had this the experience. Right. Yeah. So that's me. That's this week for me. I don't dude, know what dude. I'm playing this coming week. It's, it's yeah, up who, in the air, man. Who fucking knows, dude? Yeah. Who knows? Whatever you want, my guy. Yeah. All right. Well. I think that's it. I think that wraps yeah. up the show. That's it. That's all we got. Um, go have some YooHoo. Yeah, I'm gonna. Something. I'm gonna go eat some Glizzy's dog. Some Glizzy. What's, what's yeah, a Glizzy? Dude. It's a hot dog. Oh. Why? I've heard you call hot dogs Glizzy so many times, and I don't know why. Just because of the internet. That's all. Okay. All right. I don't um, have any better explanation other than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. We'll. Uh, <laughs> We'll leave it there for now. Uh, dirty Dave and the Glizzies. And the Glizzy go Gobbler. It's, it's Dirty Lambs, you dickhead. Get oh, it right. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that's the episode title now. Dirty Lambs and the Glizzies. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, and thanks to all the new patrons, too. We got some new patrons this past week. We appreciate that. Uh, of course, you'll get your name right at the end of the show next month. You dumb bitches. Don't think you're going to come crying that your name wasn't there next month. Okay. Thank you. You're not dumb bitches. I'm sorry. We love you. Yeah. All right. Peace out. 
the HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and H-Trance.